0: Isn't that a beautiful hymn that yeah, we face the triumphs and even the trials of life? The Lord is always our rock who stands beneath us. Let's uh, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 10 once again, Matthew chapter 10. And I want uh, to thank uh, Miss Autumn for coming today. And I told her she can take as much time as she wants and I will adjust uh, I had a, a drink for both uh, myself and Roxanne this morning for Sunday school, and then I had a, my bottled water uh, getting ready for the service, and uh, someone came in and they said, oh no, it's a three-bottle Sunday. <laughs> I, I assure you that's not the case. So uh, we're going we're to be looking at these texts uh, for both this week and next week. So uh, divide it up like we did last week as well. But, um, you know, I've noticed a trend in modern preaching. Uh, I've noticed this on TV preachers. I've noticed this uh, whenever I've gone out of town and listened to preachers. and I've even noticed this in some of our local pastors whenever I, I I listen to them and And this is true kind of across the board that a lot of times there's this kind of sense that they that they're giving you that that there is this great and wonderful thing that is just around the corner it's always just around the corner and that if if you will be just a little more faithful if you will get if you will be just a pray a little bit more or in some cases if you will just give a little bit more or if you will um, do whatever, just a little bit more of this or confess just a little more sin, then God has got this wonderful plan for your life that will be fulfilled. And the emphasis is usually uh, something like this, that the idea that gets kind of carried across is that when this plan, this wonderful plan is realized, then you will essentially have a life of ease, that there will be no trouble, that there will be, uh, in some cases, health and prosperity. And you will essentially be able to live a life that is somewhat relatively trouble-free. And it's always just right around the corner, just right around the corner, just give a little bit more, just pray a little bit more, And it'll be yours. And and this comes up in counseling all the time when people who have come from a, a lifetime of these kind of sermons, they say, I don't wanna miss God's wonderful plan for my life, but I'm just struggling and I can't give this away or whatever. Now, let me say for the record, does God have a wonderful plan for your life? Yes, God's wonderful plan for Stephen's life was to be stoned. God's wonderful plan for Paul's life was to go through all kinds of hardship and heartache for the gospel, and eventually, to the best of our knowledge, to be beheaded by Nero. God's wonderful plan for Peter's life was to be crucified upside down, because he refused to be crucified as his Lord. In other words, God's idea of wonderful and our idea of wonderful don't always mix. They don't always include the same things. And one of the dangers of that kind of thing is this idea that we get these expectations in our life and, and when they don't come to pass or when we start to face difficulty or hardship, all of you who are married know the difficulty and the danger of unmet and unrealistic expectations and how that can lead to discouragement, and that can lead to trauma even, and that can lead to even an abandonment of the faith because they say, I did everything I was supposed to do, but God was not faithful. Yes, he was. He was just faithful to his promises, not yours. And so this morning, as we look and we see this text that we're going to be looking at, what we find is that so often the Bible does not promise us a life of ease, but oftentimes when we are faithful to Christ, that will bring problems in our lives. In fact, that will cause hardships to happen. Sometimes when you are faithful to Christ, the marriage does end in divorce. Sometimes when you are faithful to Christ, the church does split. Sometimes when you are faithful to Christ, your children do abandon you. And sometimes when you are faithful to Christ, your parents leave you on the side of the road. And so we want to have an understanding of what the Bible really talks about when it talks about the perils of the mission. Understand that if you are gonna be a disciple who is uh, committed to the mission of Christ, then you must expect difficulty in this life. Beloved, we are the church militant. We are not the church triumphant, not yet. We will be, but that's heaven. That's not here. And so this morning, my prayer and purpose is to prepare you for the inevitable hardship that will come whenever you begin to be involved and be committed to the mission of a disciple. And so let's look at this text in Matthew chapter 10, and we're not gonna be able to expose the whole text this morning, but I do wanna go ahead and read it. So Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 16. It says behold I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpent and innocent as doves beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in synagogues you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the gentiles when they deliver you over do not be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say for what you are to say will be given you in that hour for it's not you who speak nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If, they, if they've if called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Says the word of the Lord. Just to give you a reminder of where we were, you remember in Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus was commanding the disciples that you pray that the Lord will send laborers out into the harvest in verse 37 and 38. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord will send laborers and in. in chapter 10, verse one, he calls the apostles and that, and that the answer to that prayer that God commands us to pray is the church. The command, the the answer to that prayer that Jesus has given to the world is the church of God. It is, there is no plan B. There is no other backup plan. This is it. The Lord has called the church and in this miniature picture of the church we're seeing in the calling of the apostles and sending them out, we're looking at principles that we are to follow in the life of the mission of the church. And so we saw for the last couple of weeks, we saw the essentials that we are to take with us, that we are to proclaim the kingdom. We're to practice mercy. We are to um, do these other things, prioritizing the kingdom and persevering in the ministry. But now we're gonna see that, beloved, when you go out into the mission, you need to understand that there are perils that you're gonna face. There are dangers, just like any mission, that a commander will send you on. Can you imagine, Brother Art, in the Marines during Vietnam, if uh, you said, if your commanding officer said, you need to go to this area and fight, and you said, yeah, but will it be easy? Because if it's not easy, I don't wanna go. I, 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 just, I, want, I didn't join the Marines to fight. What's up with that? I joined the Marines because I wanted to live on a Marine salary, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted a life of ease, that's why I joined the Marines. That's why they call them the few and the proud, right? And so, beloved, in the same way, when we come to the mission, it's not a life of ease. It's not a life that's trouble-free. It's a life that will be filled with perils. But it is also a life that will be filled with the comfort of Jesus Christ in those perils. And that's what Jesus is doing here is that he's going to say, he's not, gonna, he's not gonna beat around the bush. Look in verse 16. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. What are sheep? Some of the most helpless animals on earth. You, you go out as sheep, you understand that you are completely dependent upon the guidance and leadership and protection of the shepherd. And you know the wolves are the sworn enemy of the sheep. And would love nothing more than to gobble them up. And Jesus says, I'm sending you a sheep among the wolves. And what are some of the things that those wolves do? Beloved, when we encounter the perils of mission, Christ assures us of his comfort. When we face peril, Christ assures us of his comfort. And that's what this text is gonna follow. He's gonna give a warning and he's gonna back it up with a comfort. He's gonna give a warning. He's gonna back it up with a comfort. He's gonna do that three times and what we see, what occasions do we need Christ's comfort in? There's three perils that he will provide us with his comfort. When, and here they are, number, all three of them. We'll just get through the first one today. Number one, when we are resisted, Christ will comfort us. When we are betrayed, Christ will comfort us. And when we are persecuted, Christ will comfort us. So we're going to look this morning at the first one. Beginning in verses 17 through 20, Christ will provide us with his comfort when we are resisted. Look at verse 17. He says, Beware of men. Beware of people. Be on your guard. Now, I want you to understand here that when he says this, he's not saying beware in the sense of be terrified. Or be afraid, be very afraid. Or he's not talking about being scared. In fact, you say, why do you say that? Because look in verse 26 on down. He says, so have no fear of them. And so the beware that we're talking about here is not a sense of fear, it's not a sense of being terrified or, or scared to go out into the world. You know, sometimes people are afraid. Christians can be afraid to share the gospel because they fear of what might come of it. They, they fear that things like they will be asked a question they can't answer or, or, or things like that. That's not what Christ is doing here. He's not, saying, don't, he's not saying be afraid, but what he is saying is that be prepared. From my favorite quote, from my favorite theologian, scar on the Lion King. Be prepared. Time is coming. Be ready. Expect that this is going to come. In fact, Philippians chapter one, verse 29, Jesus, uh, excuse me, Paul says, for to you, speaking to believers, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Inasmuch that saving faith is a sovereign gift of God, so is suffering in the Christian life, beloved. So it is also the same. Just in the same way that Christ has given you faith, he has also given you suffering. It is granted to us. Expect it. Why? Because look what the wolves do. They say in verse 17, for they will deliver you over to their courts and flog you in the synagogues. They will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness. In other words, they're going to drag you in front of their authorities and they are going to uh, do whatever they need to do and do whatever they must do to try to silence the message of the kingdom. They will do that. In fact, look at that emphasis on speaking. You remember the first essential of the Christian mission is that we must proclaim the kingdom. And now we see one of the first resistance that they will offer is that they want, the world wants to silence the message of the gospel. They want to pervert it, they want to water it down, they want to make it into something that it's not, they want to eliminate its essential elements that God is God and we are sinners and that Christ is the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. That is hate speech today. You say that out in public, you are likely, even, even here in Arkansas, in the middle of the Bible Belt, beloved, you say that out in public, you're likely even among those who call the name of Christ, they may very well resist you. It's amazing. We're to do this even when they drag us to their authorities, because beloved, we have a higher authority. We have a higher authority than any king, any governor, any judge, whatever. That's the goal. They want to silence the witness and they want to silence the message. They want to silence the gospel. And so Christ then offers us his comfort in verses 19 and 20. He says, when they deliver you over, notice when, not if, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious about what you are to speak. Again, that emphasis on speaking. Don't be anxious about what you are to speak or what you're gonna say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Now beloved don't under, don't misunderstand this i've I've heard some preachers use this passage, and they'll say that's why preachers should never study beforehand you know i just I just open my Bible and I just get up in the pulpit and I just say whatever the spirit leads me to say, you know um, that that's not really what this is talking about, and one of the things you'll notice about those guys is that they kind of tend to go back to the same kind of favorite topics again and again and again, and so that's that's not what Jesus is talking about here. what he's talking about. Is that, is that don't fret or worry yourselves over trying to come up with arguments that you think is going to be powerful enough to win the world over. Don't think that the ability to convince anyone of spiritual truth is going to be inherent in your ability to come up with the right words. Don't think that your Power or your human wisdom or your uh, way with words or your rhetoric or any of these other things is powerful enough to change a heart or bring a dead soul to life. It's not. That our power, the power of the gospel, comes from only one source, and that is by the power of God enabled by the Spirit. And so he says, don't worry about all those things. Don't try to do all that. When this time comes, what you need will be given to you. So trust the Lord. Trust him. It's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking in you. Beloved, the power never came from us. And in fact, when we try to add to the gospel we end up usually robbing it of its power. You guys know I love fountain pens. I don't have my fountain pen this morning. I have a gel pen, but there's a, um, a kind of ink you can buy for a fountain pen. It's, it's like 100 bucks a bottle. And it's, uh, it's I mean, it's the, most, it's the prettiest ink you've ever seen. What it is, it's this jet black ink. And what they do is they put gold and silver shavings in it. And oh my goodness, guys, I've written with this ink before and it, I mean, it leaps off the page. It is so beautiful. It looks so good. But you know what else it does? Because of the gold shavings and because of the uh, silver shavings, it clogs up the nib. And after like not even that many uses, you're constantly having to clean it out and clean it out and clean out all of that clogging because even though that gold and that silver makes it look good, oh, it makes it look so good but it actually clogs up the pen to where it can't do its one job, which is to write. You know, it looks pretty, but it's got one job, okay? And if you can't write with a pen, what good is it, right? And beloved, that's what happens when we try to add man's wisdom, when we try to add worldly wisdom, and we try to preach the gospel in our own strength and our own power. Yeah, it might look really good, we can add a system of rewards and punishments to, to make people act the way we want to, but at the end of the day, it has no power because it is clogging the spirit from our words. It makes it of no effect. It makes our trust in our salvation in the power of men and not in the power of God. So, so be aware, be ready. It's coming, it's coming no matter how much they scream or complain. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that they do this because the truth is they really do know that there is a God and that they are accountable to him. They know this. Everyone knows this. Look in Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one verse 21, Romans 1, 21, Paul says, for although they knew God, understand every living person on earth knows and understands that there is a God and that they are accountable to him. You say, Randy, why, why don't they acknowledge that? I'm glad you asked, like what Paul says in verse 18. Paul says, for... It says, for the wrath of God is revealed against heaven from all ungodliness and unrighteousness by men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You see, the reason why they deny God is not because they don't know he's there. The reason they deny God is because they are actively suppressing that knowledge in their hearts because of their sin. Let me ask you a question. What's wrong with a cake baker in Colorado who wants to send a customer down the street to another cake baker? Who does that hurt? No one. What's wrong with a Ten Commandments monument sitting on a government building or sitting in a a lawn somewhere? Who does that hurt? No one. What's wrong with a cross sitting in the middle of the desert where no one lives, and yet you have to go to court to defend its right to be there? Who does that hurt? No one. But why did they do that? Because that is the amount of energy that it takes to suppress the truth in your heart. That's the amount of energy that it takes. They have to go full on. That's the energy it takes to suppress the knowledge of God. And so expect to be resisted the kingdom message and the kingdom of God. And beloved, understand that the higher we hold God, the more they will resist. We want to be captain of our own souls. We want to be responsible for our own salvation. We want to have control over our own destiny and the idea that we contribute absolutely nothing to our salvation, that it is fully of grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Understand that is offensive even to people who claim they are Christian. And when we are faithful to that message, you can expect resistance. And the more, the higher we hold God, the more and even more violent that resistance will get. So, beloved, how do we prepare for it? How do we prepare? How can we prepare to be faithful? My my goal this morning is that you will be prepared to face that resistance in the mission. The more outspoken we are for the gospel, the more this resistance will come. So how can we be prepared? Well, first of all, number one, develop a deep dependence on the Lord. Develop a deep dependence. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter two, verses seven through 10. This is an amazing verse. It's actually... uh, some of among the last words of Paul. He says in chapter two, verses seven through 10 of 2 Timothy, he says, think over what I say. In other words, meditate, chew on, reflect upon the words of the scripture for the Lord will give you understanding in everything, dependence upon him. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bounds with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Develop a deep dependence upon the Lord. Think over what the Lord says in his word. Reflect on it and allow him to give you understanding over it. We are completely dependent upon him. Number two, go to the source. Go to the source. Let me ask you a question. Where do we know that the Spirit of God has spoken with absolute 100% certainty? You know, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll hear people say, you know, the, the, the Spirit spoke to me that I need to braid my hair today or, or whatever. You know, that could be the Spirit. It, it could very well be. It could be the Spirit. It could also be last night's pizza. You, you don't know, right? But where do we know with 100% certainty every single time the Spirit has spoken in the Word? Beloved, we need to be people of the Word. So learn to depend upon the word. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. It is the word of God that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, the joints and the marrow. And watch this, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is the word of God that is powerful to expose the intentions and the thoughts of the heart of those who resist. Go to the source. Go to where the spirit has indeed spoken. Beloved, you need to understand the nature of the warfare, nature of the warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Beloved, you need to understand our enemy is not the drug dealer. Our enemy is not the prostitute. Our enemy is not a political party. Our enemy is not any of those things. It's not flesh and blood. It is the spiritual powers of darkness that is driving those things, every one of them. We don't fight against flesh and blood, so therefore we don't use the weapons of the world's warfare. We don't use those. In fact, if you go on in Ephesians chapter six, what do you get into? You get into the armor of God. This, this discussion came up in our, uh, in our texting Bible reading group this week. If you look at the armor of God, every single one of those pieces is an aspect of the gospel. The, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the faith, the word, all of those things, they're all aspects of the gospel. The gospel is our sword and it is our armor, and it is everything we need for life and godliness and mission in this world. And then he follows that up by saying, and praying with full diligence. Beloved, we don't fight the weapons. We don't fight the spiritual powers with weapons of physical warfare. But we fight it with the gospel, and we fight it with prayer. We defend ourselves and arm ourselves with the gospel. An unbelieving friend, if you're here this morning, I wanna talk to you for a moment. I want you to understand you are not our enemy. You are not our enemy. We do not hate you. We are not mad at you. In fact, we love you. And because we love you, we're willing to tell you the truth that you are enslaved to sin and self, that you are dead in trespasses and sin. And the reason why you are so resistant to the gospel is because you have an enemy that is doing everything he can in this world to silence that gospel in your heart. And we are here this morning because we want it to breathe and we want it to be set free in your heart so that you can know that you know that you are a child of God and that you are adopted into the kingdom. And what is that message he's trying to silence? Simply this that God is the loving ruler of the universe, that He created us, He created humanity, and yet, because We rebelled against him. We took the crown off of his head and we tried to put it on our head and we try to rule society. We try to rule our lives. We try to rule all of that and we make a mess of things. Look look at the world today. We've made a mess. We make a mess of our lives. We make a mess of society. We make a mess of our families. All of those things is driven by the sinful desire to be our own ruler and our own king because we have rebelled against God. Beloved, God's not gonna let that rebellion last forever. He's appointed a day when the judgment will come and he will judge in accordance with his holiness and justice. And the Bible says that all who are unholy before him will know eternal wrath. You say that sounds harsh and it is, but beloved, because God loves you, he made another way. That is, he sent his only begotten Son into the world who always lived under his rule with no sin, no rebellion. Then he went and he died on the cross for your sins. Do you see how the enemy is resisting? How he provides distractions. But Christ, beloved, he went to the cross. He died for your sins so that you can be forgiven and so that you can go to live in the love of God. And because that was enough, Christ rose on the third day. And now he has ascended at the right hand of the father, God's new king above the world. And he's offering himself to you as a savior from his own wrath, a savior from your sins. That's the message that will save your soul. That's the message that your enemy desperately does not want you to hear. And that's the message that the world is desperately trying to silence. But we proclaim it loudly. And we're not afraid. Because we love you enough to spend and be spent so that you can know Christ. And if you're here this morning and you want to know Christ as your Savior, I beg you to come, ask some questions. You don't have to come to me. Go to any one of our men in the church. Go to any one of our ladies. If you're more comfortable, one of our ladies. Whatever the case is, we would love to tell you how you can know Christ as your savior. And if you know Christ this morning, I pray that you will be bold in the witness. Expect resistance. It's gonna come. But you're not fighting flesh and blood. And you're not fighting it alone. That's why we have the church. So we fight and support one another. We don't fight one another, but we fight with one another. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I thank you for Autumn coming today and expressing her heart. I so admire her excitement, her thrill of being used by you, or that you have given her a ministry that is Desperately needed and so overlooked, even so often by your churches. And so, Lord, I thank you for her bringing awareness. And I thank you for those in our church who are already helping her. I know you led our church to give financially to her, but, Lord, I know there's there's always more we can do. And I pray that maybe you've moved someone this morning to, to help. And, Father, I pray if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their father, that doesn't know Christ as their savior. I pray this morning will be the morning that you draw them to yourself so that they may know Christ and him crucified. If there's one here this morning that is resistant in the mission, Lord, I pray you'd give them courage and boldness. Maybe there's that one who they know in their life that they need to share the gospel with, but they've been hesitant due to fear, they're afraid of losing the friendship or the relationship or whatever it is, Lord, may, and that may very well happen. But Lord, I pray that they would trust you. And I pray that you would comfort them as you have promised to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning. If, there's a, if you have a need, I invite you to come. I, you uh, have received the word, but you want to confess the Lord in baptism we invite you to do that. If you are here and you wanna join a covenant family in the church, we invite you to do that as well. Whatever your need is, I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads for a few moments and just reflect on what's been said. Whatever your need is, if you need to come for prayer, please do so.